Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vit Muller. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. I'm your host, Vit, and my guest today is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions per day. My guest is a passionate entrepreneur with keen interest in small business growth, marketing, and bootstrapping businesses from zero revenue to profitability and exit. Please welcome to the show, Brian Clayton. Vit, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Great to have you on the show, Brian. Great to have you on the show. Now, how did you get into business? I was actually dragged into entrepreneurship, kicking and screaming by my father on a hot summer day. He said, get off your butt. You've got a job to do. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. Made me go cut the neighbor's grass. And luckily he did because something about that just stuck with me. I, I mowed the neighbor's lawn and I got paid like 20 bucks. And uh, the first thing I did after that was I went back to my old desktop machine and, and uh, printed off a bunch of flyers and passed them out all over the neighborhood. And by the end of that first summer, I had like 12 customers. And I just, uh, something about running my own little business, making as much money as I wanted to make, stuck with me. I stuck with that little lawn mowing business all through high school and, and then I put myself through college mowing yards. And when I graduated college, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go into the job market and basically take a pay cut or was I going to stick with this lawn mowing business? Didn't really want to be a lawn guy my entire life, but I thought, what the hell, let's just see where, how far I can take it. Grew that little by little over about 15 years into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, where I live. Got it over 150 employees, over $10 million a year in, in revenue. And in 2013, I was able to navigate that business uh, all the way to acquisition from one of the largest landscaping businesses in the United States. So growing that business, just me and a push mower to me and uh, 150 people. I learned a lot how to grow a business from scratch and the hard way through just through trial and error. And 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 then I, I sold it and retired. I took some time off and I realized something about myself. Business is the thing that lends uh, purpose to my life. It is the thing that causes me to, to have, have value and have passion. And I was missing that. And I thought, okay, well, I got to get back in the game. I got to, I got to get back working on a project. And so there's this idea for the business I'm working on now, GreenPal was pretty straightforward for me. I was kind of solving my own problem. I thought an app needs to exist to make this whole thing easier. Like Uber was doing, uh, Lyft was doing and, and Airbnb. And, and recruited two co-founders and we went to work and we've been at this business for eight years, got it over 200,000 people using our app, but doing $20 million a year in revenue. And so we're kind of an eight year overnight success. That's amazing. And just going back to the initial part, how old were you when your dad told you to go and loan a mall, loan a mall, uh, loan a I was, mow, like 14. <laughs> I was like 14 years old and, and it wasn't negotiable. This was, we were not, I was not living in a democracy. Mm. <laughs> I think that's one of the best lessons that fathers can, can give to their kids, to their children to, to, to appreciate money and not get things easy. Right. I agree. I don't have kids, but if I did, I, I would definitely use the same playbook. Teaching your children, I do have nephews and I try to teach them this as well, teaching them the, the value 
of, of, of a job well done and the satisfaction that comes with that and the satisfaction of creating something yourself and creating something just through your own effort and your own hard work. There's no way to shortcut that. You have to go through that to build that character. And uh, that's why you see a lot of, a lot of people that, that inherit money or come into money easy or too fast. They end up squandering it because they, they haven't gone through that, that, that character development of, of building something from scratch. I think it's, I think making your kids start a little business might be one of the best things you can do for them. I know it was one of the best things my dad did for me. Absolutely. If I may share from my own experience, when I was a kid, one of the best experience was uh, one of the best lessons I got is from my dad in terms of rewards for my grades. So he would reward me for grades. So in Czech Republic, our grade system is different. We we, go, we work off numbers. So from one to five, um, uh-huh. that's like an elementary in school. And so one one being like top top, you got best 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 grade, best mark on a on an exam, and five you really screwed it up. <laughs> and then you got a yeah. three it's in the middle, right? And then you got twos and fours. And so what he did is basically in check money, he said, I'm going to give you check 10 Koronen, which is you can buy, I don't know, maybe uh, half a beer. So I'm going to give you 10 for, for one. I'm going to give you five for five check Koronen if you, if you get Mark, Mark two. If you get Mark three, well, that's in the middle. So you get nothing. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> if you get four, I'm going to take away five. And if you yeah. get five, the worst grade, then I'm going to deduct 10. I like that. And I think <laughs> that applies to in the real world. It's just the best lesson I could ever, ever, you know, ever, ever learn because in business, I mean, you make money, you lose money. And sometimes you, you're flat, you're not making any money. And so that yeah. teaches, teaches anybody that, that taught me, what that taught me is that, that I need to, I need to, need to put an effort to, to make money. And if I don't put an effort, it bites back. Absolutely. That's a, like that directly correlates to, to, to what it's like running a business. If, if you, a lot of your success or failure correlates with your effort and your sacrifice that you're willing to, to trade off for the success of your, of your business. And so, yeah, I like that. If, if I have kids, I may, I may have to steal that system. So tell me about, tell me about growing up. So as you were a teenager, you, you sort of, you got hooked on this lawn mowing thing. You started lawn mowing around and it was instantly an addictive thing for you because I guess, was that the addictive th- thing because the instantaneity of being able to make money? Yeah, the, I was definitely financially motivated in the early days. And I think as time went on, I think I kind of had a chip on my shoulder, to be honest. I really wanted to make something of myself. I really wanted to improve my, my, my station in life. And I saw business as the way to do that. I wasn't particularly good at anything else. I wasn't a really good at sports and, or, and, I, and I wasn't the smartest guy. I wasn't the best student. And so I kind of saw a lane that if I worked as hard as I, as I wanted to work and I could really make something of myself in business. And I'd really kind of had a chip on my shoulder the first five or six years to, to build a big business, to get it to uh, over eight figures. I had set a goal for myself and and uh, I actually, I remember very clearly, I was in my early 20s and I was physically mowing yards. I had a couple of helpers by that point, but I was mowing yards in a part of town where all the wealthy people lived. And there was one particular neighborhood where, where some of the most beautiful homes in, in town uh, were. And that, these were my customers because they had the money to pay a gardener like me. And I thought I, I made a goal. I made a promise to myself that in 10 years, I was going to live in that neighborhood. 
and uh, by 30. And I actually got it done by, by 29. I built a house in, in this, in the same neighborhood and still, still was a landscaping contractor, but, but now I'm, now I'm living in the neighborhood. And so that was a lot of fun and business was the vehicle to get me there. And I learned a lot the whole way. And so that's what I tell fellow entrepreneurs is like, think about business in, in terms of, of the, of the thing, the vehicle that can make your life interesting and can, and can give your life purpose and, and can make you a smarter, more humble, uh, wiser person. Cause it certainly has helped me along the way in 20 years. I'm, I'm every five years, I'm not even the same person because because, because the marketplace is causing me to level up. Now I know money doesn't grow on trees, but do you ever felt when mowing the lawn that you're sort of shaving your shaving your way to those dollars while you were at all those properties yeah i looked at i looked at uh, i read a book it was the autobiography of of warren buffett and one of the things that he talks about in that book is like a hundred dollars is not a hundred dollars it's actually a thousand dollars because that's what it will grow to be and so i looked at every dollar i could make in in that in that business as as a thousand as a hundred dollars a thousand dollars because i knew if i could just take it and put it back to work in the business i could grow the business and that I, it would make me more money and so it was like hustle make money take money reinvest make more money and this like did that for like a decade and then i had something but but it was it was hard to to keep that long kind of that that long term perspective especially in the early days because uh, you're working your butt off and you're not getting the immediate return. You're not getting the vacations. You're not getting the cars, the nice homes, the, the, the things that we equate with success. And so I was able to like manage my own psychology and just understand that if I just really put in a hard five or 10 years that, that it would be worth it, I would have, have an actual business. And there's a difference between being self-employed and, and owning a business. Mm -hmm. And so for the first five years, I was really more or less self-employed and I didn't want to be self-employed. I wanted to own a business. So I, I reinvested every dollar I could into building the business. That's amazing. And it's great to hear that you've, you've realized that straight away as, as you were running this very first business, because, you know, you had a good point with the investing part. And I think not, not every business owner realizes that part. They, they initially put a bit of money in and then they expect that the business is just going to continue growing with that initial, initial investment. But it's so important to have that investment mindset, whether you have a business or not, you can really make your money grow if you do it right. And I think in an example with business, it applies even more. Absolutely. That's <laughs> One of the best investments you can make is in your own business because mm. uh, you're in control of it. You can grow it. You can put in the effort behind it to make your capital grow. Whereas if you put it in the stock market or something else, you're kind of at, at, at somebody else's disposal. And so for me, you know, I always invested in, in my own business and, and it kind of it enabled me to, to go from zero, not having a dime to being re retired at, at age 33. Brings an interesting idea in my head just now. You know, when you talk about investments and investors and what people know about a particular company, like they, they might really know some little nuggets. So that sort of helps them to make that good investment. And if you run your own business, you know the ins and outs. You're in full control. So right. in a way, you're, you're an insider trader. Exactly. And you're putting money in your own business. Exactly. Yeah. You are privy to information that nobody else is and you are in control. You, you can put in more effort. You can come in on Saturday or Sunday. You can make more calls. You can do more sales. You can look for ways to make it more efficient to make your capital grow. 
And uh, you don't, you can't do that in most any other investment. And so that's, that's one of the things that often gets overlooked. And, and then also a lot of business owners go and take on a lot of debt and, and that can kind of, that can help you if you, if you really got things dialed in, but a lot of times it can mask an inefficient business and, and, and prevent you from doing the hard work of, of making a profitable business. So that's another thing I'll throw out there is just use debt wisely. Really, after you have something figured out, you can pour debt on top of it to be like a steroid. But a lot of times business owners will, will be in a position where it's like, okay, there's no money in the bank and I got to make payroll. Let's go take out a line of credit. And that's really a race to the bottom. Mm. So tell me, because I know in one of your messages to me, you sent me that you you were actually able to to go through the experience yourself where you had to navigate through through that process where you had crisis in obviously 2008. So how did you go? How did you, how did you manage that? Yeah. So 2008 was a really tough time in the United States. We, we went through a, a crisis where all home construction basically stopped. Everybody got scared and spooked and quit spending money. And uh, it was hard. Like we, we were doing seven or $8 million in, in revenue in 2007. And then that went to like $2 million in revenue. And so, but, but, but all of our expenses stayed the same. And so we had to figure out how we're going to get through that, how we're going to kind of reinvent the business from the inside out. And, and uh, I didn't act quick enough. So I made a mistake. I, I didn't make cuts soon enough. And I didn't, I didn't evolve uh, quick enough. I kind of hoped it would just get better. And there was one day our, our payroll cycle was like hundred and $20,000 every time payroll hit. And uh, so payroll was, was going to hit on Monday morning and it was Sunday night and I check our company bank balance and we have like $23,000 in the bank. So it's like, wow, how did we, what am I going to do? Everybody just worked two weeks. They're expecting a paycheck. They have bills to pay, but I can't cover payroll. And so that was a crisis and we had to get through it. And, and I, it was, it was a hard, hard thing to go through, but I, I, I basically got up in front of everybody and said, Hey, I, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I, I didn't see this coming soon enough and I didn't make changes soon enough. And I'm not able to pay all of you what you're owed today. It's going to take me a couple of weeks. I'm going to have to sell some things and, and take on a line of credit to get us out of this short-term situation. But I will promise I will make everybody whole and not one person quit. Everybody, everybody stuck through it with, with me. And, and it kind of galvanized us as a team. It helped make the culture stronger in the business. And, and, and then slowly I was able to like lick my wounds and understand the, 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 the painful lessons learned and make the changes in the business to where that wouldn't happen again. And uh, I think, I think a lot of times, you know, looking back five, 15 years later, to, uh, that I'm glad that happened because I learned a lot and I, and I, and it made me a better entrepreneur and it made me a better leader. And so, you know, success is a lousy teacher. And so if you're going through a tough time, if, if like the, if, if, if the COVID crisis has, has gutted your business, a lot of times this is happening to you, uh, it's happening for you, not to you. And so it's like an opportunity to, to reinvent yourself and your business. And so it's in a weird way, I'm glad it happened to me. And, and, and I maybe I think now a lot of people will look back five, 10 years from now and, and be glad that this happened to their business now. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, so how, so how did you like specifically, how do you go about recovering from that? So you're looking at that account, you're on, it's that day in the morning, you're sipping coffee and you're like, oh shit, 23, 23K, got to get that message out to the team. In, a, yeah. in the best way possible so it's it's received in the best way possible so what were your next steps how did you how did you how did you survive this yeah practically speaking i had to sell some stuff i had to had to put some of my own cash back in the business although i didn't have like the the, the liquid assets to cover the whole thing and and had to look at our banking relationships and, and cobble together three or four different sources of revenue and got the money together in about 2 weeks 
And then I was able to, to come in on Saturdays and Sundays and really just pour through my books to figure out where I screwed up. Where were we losing money? Where were we inefficient? Where were we high, uh, keeping too many people on and losing money uh, every hour of every day? And having to make the, the hard decisions to cut hours back, trying, not, not, not trying to lay off as few people as possible, but if we did lay somebody off, we try to find them another job somewhere else. And going through the the hard, the hard decisions and the hard things that you have to do to, to get through a crisis like that. And I read, I tour told me at the time, he, he said, if you're, if you're going to eat crap, don't nibble, like really just get in there and do the hard stuff and get it done quickly. And then you can rebuild from that, from that point forward. If you're going to eat crap, don't nibble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. And so, Obviously, 2008, right? That was that was the home loan um, crisis, the, mm -hmm. the, right? So I guess it makes perfect sense. Less people to to cut to cut loans and do landscaping for, right? <laughs> yeah, and we did a lot of new construction stuff, and that was over with, done. Nobody was building anything, and and so and a lot of our commercial clientele got spooked and didn't want to spend any money on anything, and they cut everything to the bone, and it was really really tough. But like I said, I'm glad it happened. It made me a better entrepreneur. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, what are some of the things that you had to cut down on, like when you were doing those cuts, when you were literally going through the process? Okay, well now I've I've managed to put together the money to pay off the the payroll for those two weeks. Moving on. Yeah. Okay, here's what I need to do. What were some of the things that you were looking at? And how did you, if you don't mind sharing? It's never one thing. It's always 50 or 100 things and they add up. So anything from we're spending $300 a month on bottled water in the office, that's got to go. We, 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 we were overspending on, on advertising that wasn't producing an ROI for us. And we were just being sloppy with, with that. We weren't watching the, the money we were spending on, on, at the time, yellow page advertising, and it, it wasn't delivering our eyes. So we had to cut that. We had uh, crews of people, like we, every truck would have like uh, two or three laborers and they would go and do work. And, and there were some routes that we had four people in the truck. And when in fact, two people could get the same amount of work done. And mm. so we had to really look at that like minute by minute, hour by hour in the day and, and understand where we were, we were being sloppy operationally. We had too much middle management. The business was doing seven, $8 million, but we had five people in the office that weren't necessarily direct laborers. They were indirect costs. And, and we could probably get get by without a head of HR. I could do that job part-time. And, and so there were a lot of things like that, that you go through and you just like little by little, you look for ways to be more efficient and to cut down that your, your variable and, and fixed costs. And if you do that and if, and if you do it long enough and, you, and you're diligent enough, you can, you can get back to a place of where you have what I call sound unit economics, meaning what you're doing every day is actually making money and you're not losing money, which is, you know, I was losing money. The problem was, is my metrics were, is there money in the bank? That's it. That's not, it's not a good way to run a business. No, no. But the key lessons from this, what you're saying, and what I like is, is basically the idea of a really lean business. Like everything, all the ducks in a row, you, you, you're, everything is uh, thought, thought out and, uh, and nowhere, you got no leaking tops, right? Absolutely. Every, everything is on, on point. And, but you only did that because we were going through a crisis. So it right. brings an interesting question. Why aren't business owners doing it when everything's going all right? Yeah, we get sloppy and, and the necessity is the mother of invention. And, and so when you're making a bunch of money, it's easy to, to piss money away. And a lot of, well, one thing that got me in trouble was 
the business wasn't big enough for a full-time CFO. And we really needed one. If we had a good CFO at the helm, we could have, we could have prevented this situation and, and known it was coming, but we, we couldn't afford one. Nowadays, any business, whether maybe make, they're, they're making a hundred thousand or a million dollars a year or, or $10 million a year, you can hire a fractional CFO that can look over your books on a, on a monthly basis. And, and yeah, you might not be able to afford somebody that's going to cost 250 grand a year, but you can certainly afford them for five hours a month and they can look over your books, close out your books every month. And then, okay, yeah, we're not, what the stuff we're doing every day isn't making any money. We're losing money and what's going on. And then, and then you can pay a really good CFO to help you diagnose that. So it's best to, to get somebody fractionally in, in that role, no matter what stage of the game you're at. And I, and I don't mean just like a tax accountant or a bookkeeper. I mean, somebody who really is good at, at, at financial modeling that can mm-hmm. help get you out of trouble and can help you stay, stay efficient and stay profitable even during good times. So when a bad time does happen, inevitably it will, you're ready to weather that and you don't have to go through this crisis, which which a lot of businesses did. And, and a lot didn't make it out. I saw a lot of businesses at that time that, were, were underwater in terms of how much money they owed on equipment and assets, and, and they lost everything. I saw people lose multi-generational wealth, eight-figure wealth in, in, in less than six months. It was really sad. Mm. This fractional CFO, that's a great idea. I haven't really heard of it like before, like that way. And I mean, I've always heard of accountants and always, you know, great to have an accountant in. But I knew, I knew in my head that when I was running my own business, my fitness business in Sydney, I needed, I needed some help. I was looking into these things. I thought, well, I don't really need like the money, like the bookkeeping side of things or the taxation side of things from the accounting perspective. Really sort of need a strat- strategist, somebody that can, and I don't really sort of, I didn't end up looking into it, but fractional CFO, I'm sure they go under different titles. What are some of the titles that people can look them up on? Yeah, so so a, a good CFO can help you with understanding it. Do you have unit economics? Is what you're doing, whatever widget you're making or service you're selling, you know, are you making money? Are you what they call contribution margin positive, meaning the stuff you're doing, is it de- delivering money to the bottom line? And a fractional CFO can help you understand that and also hold you accountable to hit those metrics. And so, and, and, and so the problem was back then is like a good CFO makes minimum 100K, a really good one, 200K, a rock star, 300K. And, and a business doing $5 million can't afford one because mm-hmm. like, that's barely what the business owner might make if everything's going well. And there really was no way to hire these people a la carte back then. But now with technology and platforms like upwork.com, you can go in and, and hire somebody to, to be in the trenches with you for an hour a week, two hours a week, whatever you can afford. And sure, they might make $100 or $200 an hour, but it, it, it's, it's, it's not an expense. It's an investment because it's going to help you stay on track and keep you out of trouble and also make you more money. And uh, it's not necessarily like, yeah, they're going to be doing a lot of hard work, but they're going to be a forcing function for you as the owner of the CEO to be doing a lot of hard work because you know you, you're paying this person and you, you got to meet them tomorrow morning. And it's like, okay, I got to get all my stuff together and I got to make sure that all, all, all of my, 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 my financials are in order and they're, they're in a place where I can produce them and they all tighten, they all button up. And then I can go over it with my CFO and we can understand where we're doing well and where we suck. That exercise is not happening in most small businesses 
because there is no some there isn't anybody that that is helping execute it and so these days you can you can leverage somebody who is a rock star for a couple of hours a month and it helped keep you in line and it's better to hire somebody who's really 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 good for five hours a month versus somebody who doesn't really know what the hell they're doing for 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the trap that a lot of business owners fall into, and I know I have, is, well, I can't afford somebody that makes 200K a year. So I'll hire the person fresh out of school that makes 45K a year. And you're really just kind of wasting your money because you don't have the systems in place to train them on what you want done. And so you need somebody who's experienced. You can't afford them full time, but you can't afford them five, five hours a month. Yeah. And it actually ends up costing you more because you're having to, in a way, onboard them on everything. Whereas if you get somebody yep. who is seasoned and experienced, then they just yep. look at things and straight away it clicks for them. Yep. They know exactly what to look at. Exactly. So this lawn mowing business. So you, you had eight, about 80 employees or more. That's what you said from my memory. And then you sold it. So they were all like contractors, employees kind of thing and across the whole Tennessee or the whole U.S.? Yeah. So at the peak of, of the, my landscaping company that I was running, I had 150 people and they were all employees. And so they, we, we serviced uh, the middle part of Tennessee where Nashville is. And, and so we had sent out something like 80 trucks every day of going all over the, the region servicing properties. And that was the business we were in and we, we were pretty darn good at it and we were profitable. And that's why we were able to get it uh, sold to one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And that was in 2013? 13. 13. Nice. 13, yeah. So then moving on forward, you move on to Greenpal. So what inspired you to start up with Greenpal? Yeah, so sold that business, retired, got bored, need to get back in the game. I realized it was like a learning period for myself. I realized, okay, I need, I need a business to, to work on, to lend me purpose and passion. I, and I'm missing that. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I've done the contractor thing and that was really, really hard. I don't want to do that anymore because that was really hard. So now I'm going to do software because software is so easy. And I see, I see everybody getting rich overnight building software. And I thought, okay, I want to play that game. And luckily I was naive <laughs> and uh, luckily I didn't know what I didn't know. Cause if I had known what I knew, what I know today, I'd have never gotten started. I, I would have been too scared <laughs> to do it. So uh, a healthy dose of naivete can help you when you're starting a new business. And luckily I sure as hell was naive. And I recruited two co-founders. We got to work on it and we didn't know how to code. We didn't know how to build software, but we just thought, Hey, we'll pay, we'll pay somebody to build what we thought, what we think green pal should be, how the app should work. And, and, and then we'll market it and we'll be off and going. And we did that. We pulled together our, our money, all three of us, and like $150,000. And we paid a dev shop in Nashville where we live to build GreenPal. Took them like eight, nine months. We launched it and it was a total failure. It was like, it was a total flop. It didn't have the features it needed. It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't, didn't have the buy-in from the, from the lawn care services because it didn't have the features they needed. Homeowners used it and it didn't fulfill the promise of pushing a button, get my grass cut. And so that was really hard. It was really disheartening. And we realized, okay, if we're going to be in the tech business, we're going to have to learn how to build tech. And we, we decided, okay, well, let's talk to everybody that use this thing and let's try to figure out if we're at least solving a problem that people will pay for. And so we, we interviewed a couple, a couple hundred people that, that tried out the first version and they were upset that it didn't work. They were pissed off. It didn't work. They were let down that the, that their service provider didn't show up. They were let down that, that, that it was buggy. And so we, we saw that as validation. It's like, okay, well, 
Well, they wanted it to work. They wanted this thing to solve a problem that they had. And, and so that was validation for us to keep going. And we thought, okay, well, we're going to have to learn how to code. We're going to have to learn how to design software, but let's just, let's just go to work. And so we went to work on the business and on ourselves at the same time. And it took around three years to learn how to build software and to build the second version and get it marketed and get it and get and get uh, user adoption for it. And it took us a long time and a lot of perseverance to figure that stuff out and, and do it as we went. But uh, we were getting little victories along the way, just enough to keep going. And here we are eight years later, you know, we've got several hundred thousand people using the app, but we're, we're profitable. We're making money. We have a team of 24 people that work in, in the company. There's 10,000 lawn mowing services that, that use the app to run their business. And so everything that gets big starts small. And we were very small for a very long time. And, and, and this kind of just never gave up. Mm. One key thing that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing here is the positive mindset. Like you said, you, you spent 150K on an app that you know developers put together for you in an eight months and it was total flop. You went around and people gave you all the negative you know, feedback around it. And some would be like, well, that's, that's it. We're done. There's no point. But you actually saw it as a proof of concept because you looked on the other side of that message of that feedback, just what's the positive and I think that's really important to have that positive mindset when, when things not going your way, because otherwise, how are you going to continue pursuing that, that dream, right? Yeah, yeah. Positive psychology is definitely required to, to get a business going from scratch, because you kind of have to be an optimist to go from failure to failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Mm. and uh, that was but it wasn't like we were just it wasn't like we we it, it, i mean yeah we we suffered the the losses and we internalized them and and but we weren't like pollyanna we we realized how difficult it was and where we were screwing up i think when you're starting a new business it can help to have that burn the boats mentality that when when the only way f- the only way to move is forward and that your only chances of success is just to not give up I think it help you manage your psychology during those early years and, and just getting through the, the cold start and the slog that every business owner goes through. And I mean, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take a year to figure out what the hell it is you're doing two years to make that work a little bit and three years to get anything really rolling and just managing your psychology and, and, and continually moving forward and not giving up is I think is table stakes to getting a business going. Is there anything you wish when you were starting out? Yeah, you know, I I wish I had read a book called The E-Myth the first day I started my first business. That would have really helped me out a lot. That book is kind of like just a uh, owner's manual, like a like a handbook for starting a business from scratch. And uh, the book talks about creating systems and processes inside of your business and roles that you're going to be able to assign and delegate things to, a pe- to, to, to different people. Like if you think about the, the process of going through and creating an org chart for your business, you'd have like you as the owner, CEO, uh, head of sales, uh, head of, head of uh, customer satisfaction, head of R&D, head of finances, a bookkeeper, a legal, chief shop cleaner, whatever. It's going to be your name on every one of those roles. And then as time goes on, you can you can peel your name off of these roles and delegate them to an employee or a contractor or a freelancer. But going through the exercise of creating that org chart can can help set your business up for success. And so reading that book and, and almost revisiting it every year can help you build a, 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 a sound business from day one. It's a great book. And I've referenced it in the show numerous times already. 
Um, I highly recommend it to anybody of you guys listening right now. Get that book. The author is Mark Gerber, uh, Emeth. Michael Gerber, yeah. Michael Gerber, yeah. It's cool. I like I like the the thing where he talks about the three roles: the technician, the the manager, and the entrepreneur. Yeah. And when you're starting out, oftentimes you start out doing something. You're technician, right? In your example, you started mowing loans. So that's a technical role. You're doing that. But then as you do that more and it's growing, now you've got more people. Right. Um, so you kind of have to move yourself to the next level and become a manager where you manage the other guys. And then right. and then you got too many of those to manage. So then you need to get yourself on the top and then have assigned managers who do that for you. And then you can get yourself into that more of an entrepreneurial position where you purely just focus, focusing on the, on the growth and the bigger picture, right? Yeah, and you have to be pretty good at all three, particularly in the early days, to get something going from scratch. And and that's, you know, are entrepreneurs born or are they made? I think anybody can become an entrepreneur so long as they are sufficiently motivated and just have that fire in their belly to 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 create something and just get joy from that. But if you don't have that ambition, it's going to be tough. Hmm. What's your, what's your definition of entrepreneur? My definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who makes something from scratch and and breathes life into an idea and sees that through. Ideas are cheap. Everybody's got ideas, but the entrepreneur takes action and and breathes life into it. An idea is stillborn, but the entrepreneur takes the idea, does the things that need to be done, whether it be raising capital, coming up with a plan, hiring people, or, or, or flat out doing all the work themselves. But the entrepreneur brings the idea to life and gets it from zero to one. And, and I think anybody can be one so long as they're willing to work hard enough. And the earlier, the better. Earlier, the better. Absolutely. I've got another story from, from my own experience when I was a kid, and that was selling newspapers. That was my first gig. It wasn't really, I wasn't really creating anything. It was already there. So in a way, I, was just, I would just put myself in a, in a worker bee role. But, but I approached it as my own business. So they would give me 50, uh, 50, 50 newspapers. I would flip them over my for, forearm and then just it was quite heavy and then walk around the city and scream like shout yeah. the, the name of the newspaper and trying to sell it so you know maybe look up the headline and read the headline or go to pubs and i was like 14, 13 14 and i would go to to pubs and there was like the pub full of people sitting drinking beer friday friday afternoon and i would just rock up and i just screaming hey newspapers and like i'll be that annoying kid but i just wouldn't left until they bought of me <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of lessons you probably learned along the way. Sales, being a self-starter, hustle, grit. A lot of those things are principles that go into entrepreneurship. So good thing you did that. Yeah. But the other thing is, I don't know if you know, it's like a toy that kids, we used to have it in school. Like as everything goes in trends, there's different things that people do, right? With these different toys and stuff. But it was like a stick. And then there was another two sticks. The other two sticks look like drumsticks. And then yeah. the long sticks with little bits at the ends. Devil sticks. I can't remember the name, but I remember those. Yeah. And you just yeah flip them and, and twist them and, and do different tricks of them. And so that was my idea. I actually came to the, I went to the department store and bought all the, all the material. You know, I bought some wooden, 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 wooden sticks and used some bicycle tubes and wrapped that around and just basically create my little manufacturing line in my, in my bedroom. Nice. Create, created 10 sets of these. And then I took them to school and I sold them at school. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's an interest. So then I met more. And then my mom, she used to work for this organization, which, which does events and keep 
keeps the youth active, different programs. And so I was you know, always going to different things, different events. And one of the events was in the main square in my hometown. So I said, well, could I, could I have a little, little section there? And I just come along and do that. And she let me do that. And so I just made like <laughs> 30 units. And all I did, I just, that was my marketing strategy. I'm going to stand there and I'm just going to play with it. And then that will attract attention. People walk by and will ask and then I'll sell it to them. And indeed it worked. It was, it's really rewarding when you, when you do that and like you, little hustle. It's so cool. Show and don't tell. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So you've been referencing some, some quotes and books. Um, how much, how much do you invest in your own personal development, Brian? You know, I, I, uh, whether you, what do you, whether you like Mark Zuckerberg or, or hate him, you know, one of the quotes that I like that he has said is you want to be a learn it all, not a know it all. And so that really stuck with me. And, and for me, I have a healthy dose of paranoia almost that, that in order to make my business successful, I don't yet know all of the things I need to know. So I'm constantly trying to read books that I don't want to read or watch things on YouTube that I'm not necessarily uh, inherently interested in, but it's stuff that I got to learn if I want to be successful in the, in the marketplace. And so that's one of the beautiful things about business is that it can be the forcing function to cause you to seek out these things, whether it be people in your industry that are, that are telling, talking about their successes and how they did it, or just, just really good business books of which there's hundreds or thousands constantly absorbing these materials and internalizing them and putting them into practice in your business can, can cause you to level up. And for me, I try to, I try to lead, read at least one book a month. And I make time every, every week to sit down for, for six or seven hours and read. And then, and then I try to, to listen to as many podcasts as I can while I'm on in the car or, or exercising. And then I also try to limit the amount of fun, crappy TV I watch. And I try to pull up YouTube and, and uh, watch a conference or a podcast like this and, and if you do that for long enough, uh, it starts to compound. And then, and then you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I, I, I know a bunch of stuff I didn't know five years ago. And that's a lot of fun. The other great thing is by listening to different, different sources, different podcasts, and if it's say about entrepreneurship, you actually start to, li- start to hear commonalities. There's these you know, common things that people say from their own success, their own lessons. And it just right. helps confirm in your own head, just really confirm, okay, this is really the way to go. This is really... This is really the, these are the really the print the real principles that that apply across across all these industries. Yeah, and there's no one silver bullet key to success. There's no one path to success. But if if you are if you're in the trenches, if you're in the game, and you're working on your business, and you're reading all the books, and you're listening to all of the podcasts, the best ones, you then begin to codify your approach and your philosophy and the way you see it and the way you put it into practice. And, and that is what helps you form your, your way to success. It's not like a lot of the stuff can be contradictory and, and there's a lot of paradoxes in, in, in entrepreneurship and in business. So it's important to take it all in, put it to practice, and then you formulate your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that too as well, for sure. Now, this show is about inspiring others to, to be at their best. What do you do to keep yourself at your best, Brian? I set goals that scare me in my personal life and, and in my business life. And so having that stretch goal can, can cause you to, 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 to be disciplined to do the things you need to do day in and day out. I I've do like what we talked about earlier in the show in terms of 
hiring coaches or consultants or senior level executives, not necessarily full time, but uh, space them out at, at, at key parts of, of the month that hold me accountable to, 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 to be ready when I meet with them. I, I have a, a, I have a rock star CFO that works in the business, but, but he was part-time for a very long time. And so meeting with him on a, on a continual basis caused me to level up and to, and to, and to be disciplined, whereas I, I might not otherwise be. And then in my personal life, doing things like signing up for marathons or triathlons, I, I, I'm not I'm not cut out for this kind of stuff, but I know if I sign up for that, I, I have to train. I have to do the things to, to be ready for, for the race. So creating these like uh, tripwires in your life almost that you kind of, you know, are coming and, and it's, it's like you have to, you have to be ready for it. It's kind of like a forcing function that causes you to be disciplined on a daily basis. Creating tripwires to stay disciplined. I love it. Yes, yes. That's certainly something that's helped me in the last five, 10 years. That's great. That's great. Now, Brian, if there were three things that you'd, walk, uh, you'd want the listener to walk away with today, three key nuggets of advice, what would, what would those be? Actually, let me say it differently. What would be the three things that you would want them to sort of walk away after listening today? So I think to have an interesting life, you have to have a purpose. And I think your business can be your purpose in life. It certainly has been for me for 20 years. And so that's one, one takeaway that I would offer is that you're in business and it's hard. Look at it like almost as like you're, you're in a movie and it's a movie about your life. Well, you want it to be an interesting movie. And if there wasn't like hard parts and like the main character didn't overcome these, these obstacles, then it'd be a pretty damn boring movie. So think about your entrepreneurship journey in the context of like a story or a book or a movie and you're the character and you're trying to get through it and trying to get to the mountaintop. That's kind of like a macro thing. At a, at a micro thing, a key takeaway is, like we mentioned before, it's it, hire the best for five hours a month rather than somebody who's cheap and sucks for 40 hours a week. Really put that to work in your business. Uh, the third thing is, is, is start, start small and, 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 and do things that are simple, but be ambitious, really, really like distill wherever you're at in the, in the video game of, of business, distill it down to two or three things that are in your circle of, of influence, act in that circle, get them done, but still have the, still have it in the, in the context of, of, of a big ambition. If not, you can get stuck in that small place for, for, for a decade. So really just, focusing less on things that don't matter, focus on two or three things at a time, execute, then rinse and repeat. And, but all the time having that big ambition in the background. So number one, think about your life as a story, like you're creating a movie and it's going to be interesting. It's got to have the, it's got to have its peaks. It's got to have its, have its lows. Otherwise it's flat line and that's boring. Yeah. Don't cut on talent hire good talent, spend money on a good talent. Doesn't mean you have to spend on a full time. You can hire them for a few hours. And number three, start small, but be ambitious. And I'm going to add number four, which is my big takeaway, takeaway point from what you said today is the, is the importance of making sure that you keep in a lean business, that you keep all the tops tight. There's no, there's no water leaking. Absolutely. Because a lot of times most businesses are, are operating on a five, five to 10% margin and it's a couple of bad mistakes and you're losing money. You're not making any money. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, stay lean and stay focused on the numbers. And if you don't like looking at numbers, hire that rockstar CFO to hold you accountable to do it. Brian, it's been amazing to have you on the show. 
lots of great advice. Uh, thank you for sharing your thank you for sharing your story with growing Green Pile and and your previous landscaping business and and how you all started it. That was very inspirational for many. Thank you guys for listening as well. Now I've got a cool little offer from from Brian, and that is uh, for any 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 of you that live in the United States and and you need some basic grass cutting services, then you can sign up for some free quotes on yourgreenpile.com and get up to five quotes in less than sixty seconds for for the lawn mowing services that Brian runs. So I've looked at the app yesterday and it is it is truly an Uber for landscaping. It's incredible. You literally just put your details, you put your home address and it'll, it'll in 60 seconds give you five quotes of the most the, the local uh, providers and then you just pick and choose based on based on their rating, based on the price, based on what else is based on. How often they show up on time? <laughs> you want to know that. <laughs> so, you, so that's one of the metrics you track as yes, well. Yes, yes. Are they reliable? We track that. So you're hiring somebody who's going to actually show up. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's greenpal.com, correct? Yeah, or, or greenpal.com or, or greenpal on the App Store or Play Store. Amazing. Once again, thank you for thank you for being on the show, Brian. I appreciate you. Appreciate taking time to your busy schedule to to share your story today on the on this podcast with our listeners. Once again, thank you, listeners, for listening to today's episode. Now, if you've enjoyed today's episode, if you can do me a favor and really trying to make more impact with this show and and inspire more people to to bettering them bettering themselves and bettering their life, if you can, please just jump on iTunes or or Spotify, give me a review and share it. Share it with your mate. There's always somebody in your life that, you know, that they probably need a bit of kick in the butt or need, need some inspiration to better their lifestyle or better their business. If you can just share it on your social media, that would, that would mean that would mean really a lot to me and, and really help grow the show and, and make more impact.